All right, also later on this hour, Mike Rogers, former congressman, former chair of the House Intelligence Committee, will join us. We talked to Justin Amos yesterday, who who has also thrown his hat into the ring for, for U.S. Senate here in the state of Michigan, and he had some strong criticisms of Mike Rogers. So we'll talk to him coming up as well. Also, the head of the Border Patrol Union, Brandon Judd, will join us. Both Donald Trump and Joe Biden visited the southern border yesterday. We'll talk to him what it means that both uh, both the president and the former president were down there. And, and, and what is it exactly that Border Patrol needs? Is it more money? Is it more technology? Is it more people? Is it what, what is it? So we'll talk to him coming up in the three o'clock hour as well. Um, my next guest, uh, we had a nice roundtable a, a couple of months ago uh, with he and, and his colleague, uh, Professor Said Khan at Wayne State University. And, and the tenor of that conversation, that that discussion we had here was not only just a bit of the background between Israel and and the Palestinians, Israel and Gaza and, and Israel's uh, role in the region. But then in the future, going forward, what what is to be expected? Because the, the bad blood between these two groups is so deep rooted. It is so historic that it's, it's very difficult, I think, for a lot of people to wrap their minds around. One thing that Howard Lupovitz said to me during that that discussion was leaders in wartime often are are very well backed by their people. But in the case of Benjamin Netanyahu, where leaders across the world are saying that Israel needs to pull back, Israel has been too heavy handed with what's going on in the Gaza Strip, that that it is possible that Benjamin Netanyahu could face some opposition from people in his own country. And in turn, uh, his political career could very much be in peril. Howard Lupovitz, the professor of historical and uh, history, rather, and a director of the Cohen Haddow Center for Judaic Studies at Wayne State, joins me once again. Professor, it's good to have you back. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Is is the the support for Benjamin Netanyahu waning inside Israel? Well, well let me yes, but let me clarify because I think you it is, but I think not for the reason you suggested. Uh, most Israelis are still uh, are supportive of this war. Most Israelis are in pretty uh, pretty in unison with the notion that Hamas does have to be defeated here. It has mm-hmm. to be you know ha- has to be subdued. Um, and so Netanyahu is he's he's receiving criticism, but it's not for that. It's for other reasons. And some of the reasons are uh, the fact that maybe uh, he's not negotiating enough for the hostages. It's unclear there. Also, for reasons that, pre, that, that predated the war. Uh, so when the conflict eventually when this war is eventually over, he's going to be in trouble. One of the smartest things he did at the beginning of this war was to bring in was to create an emergency cabinet which includes Benny Gantz, who is a military expert who has, who has been helping in the conduct of the war. So when you talk about the unpopularity of Netanyahu, is, which is certainly growing, it's not reflecting a sense that Israelis are wanting this to end, that Israelis believe are joining in this, this push for a, an abrupt ceasefire. Israelis are very much aware that, well, two things I would say. First of all, Israel can't just stop fighting and pull out sure. because— simply rearm and do it again. But secondly, 
any kind of negotiation for a ceasefire has to begin first and foremost with a gesture by Hamas, namely releasing all of the hostages. Anytime someone says ceasefire without beginning release hostages, it's just nonsensical. In the sense that that, you know, Benjamin Netanyahu has faced opposition from inside Israel for for many years. Um, there, there has been a faction that have pushed back against against uh, his logic and his way of thinking and his way of of governing. How much does that play in to to what we're seeing uh, now of of Bibi? Uh, in some sense, it's 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 BB business as usual. Like I said, bringing someone else in to help him run this campaign is 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 a very important thing to do, and it was a very wise decision. He's having the same problems as he has as he had for October seventh. He has an extreme right wing faction part of his government that he is trying to keep in line, and they're always they're always you know Ben Gavir. And Smotrich eventually and Yoav Gallant, they're always kind of troublemakers for him. They're a bugbear for him. They're a thorn that he has to deal with. Uh, but I think all of that is still apart from the conflict with Hamas. The war, the war with Hamas in many ways, the, the urgency of it, the, the threat that Hamas poses, the ongoing attacks, because let's keep in mind, while, while the, the main theater of the war is in Gaza, Hamas is still shooting missiles into Israel. So the, the, you know, there's, there's a bigger picture here that Netanyahu is dealing with. But yes, you're right. He is taking some criticism on these other issues, and he's going to, there is going to be a reckoning when this is over. You know, I think the, the way that President Joe Biden had kind of uh, aligned with Benjamin Netanyahu early on uh, in, the, in the immediate aftermath of what happened on October 7th, um, it was kind of a no-brainer. Of course, the United States is going to align with Israel. Of course, the United States is... is and and pre- the president uh, would be would be in lockstep to a certain extent with Netanyahu. But a- as the months have gone on, as the issues in Gaza have gotten more dire, especially on the on the humanitarian crisis side of things, um, th- these negotiations for for that ceasefire have have changed. And, and it almost feels like um, here in the United States, the president is facing. Um, a, a political issue where more and more people are 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 coming around to the fact that this needs to come to an end uh, sooner rather than later. While Netanyahu seems to have a, a, a different strategy on these negotiations, have 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 Biden and Netanyahu diverged as these ceasefire negotiations have gotten uh, further along down the road and potentially more serious? It's a great question. I don't think they they diverged that much in the sense that at the outset they were never they were never that much on the same page, not because of the war, but because of Netanyahu's other politics. I also say that I think President Biden has threaded the needle here beautifully, and I mean one of the one of the measures of how well President Biden is handling this situation is that he's being criticized both by Palestinian American United States and by right wing Israelis. The fact that he's eliciting criticism from both sides, to me, suggests that he is doing a very good job walking this fine line, walking this middle path. He is sensitive to the plight of Palestinians. He's not green lighting Israel to, you know, to conduct this war without without any limitations. By the same token, he recognizes that uh, this is a war that Israel must fight. He recognizes that for Israel and for Israelis, this isn't this isn't some kind of uh, just you know, expedition for no reason. This is a war of survival. This, he, President Biden, I think, has done a great job 
recognizing that for Israel and Israelis, this is an existential moment sure. because Hamas, you know, left their own devices, made it very clear they want to destroy the state of Israel. And, and, and many of their supporters echo this a lot. President Biden is sensitive to that. But I would also say that, yes, he's also sensitive to the humanitarian crisis going on in Gaza. But he also realizes that it's not for him to tell the Israelis how to conduct that war. He recognizes the fact that what Israelis are facing is something that Israelis are facing. It's it, right it, and what is that? What what is what is the immediate aftermath look like if a ceasefire is reached, hostages are released? I, I have just thirty seconds left here, and I know that's a lot to, to fit into a small space. But but what happens in the immediate aftermath of that? What do we see? It's a great question. It's a great question, and the big question is going to be: Can the Palestinians produce leadership? That is not bent on destroying Israel. Can they produce real visionary leadership that can put the best interests of the Palestinian people ahead of this desire to destroy the state of Israel? Mm. Howard Lupovitz, thanks again for taking some time with us on this Friday and lending some of your expertise. Appreciate it greatly. We'll talk again soon. Thanks. Always a pleasure. Yep, you got it. That's Howard Lupovitz at Wayne State University. I'd love to get your thoughts on this 800-859-0957, 800-859-0WJR. As these negotiations uh, continue for a, a, a lasting ceasefire, the idea that that things are getting worse in the Strip is is very real and people here in the United States are concerned about it. That and more as we continue on JR Afternoon next.